listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 63, covering Skin of Evil and We'll Always Have Paris with Kevin Lynch. Yes, hi, that's the other show. Hi, friends. This is this show. <laughs> yes, hi, the show. Yep, that's the one. Hello, everybody. We have a new silly voice for you. Oh, Lord. It's really exciting to finally introduce it after two hours. <laughs> uh, our pal Flonk is here with us to uh, send I'm off... Yeah, Armis is coming in his place. <laughs> <laughs> to send off the corpse of Tasha Yar in style. We've brought our friend Flonk. Uh, Continuing uh, the monkey's paw of me being on this show. <laughs> you want to come and talk about Star Trek with your friends for an hour? <laughs> of course I do. Oh. Dun dun. Hey, you chose this one. I chose a good one, and you said no, I couldn't do that one. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> did you? Which one did you choose? Yeah. Uh, neutral Zone. Ah. Which we just were talking about. Yeah. Ah, that's because uh, Adrian chose that first. So mm. blame Adrian. He'll be with us next week. Oh, did he? Yes, exactly. All right. So why don't you tell us and the people about Skin of Evil? Featuring Armus. Armus the monster. Armus. You're so scary. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to do your entire summary in that voice. Please don't. It's a quiet day. No, I don't do that. Alright. It's a quiet day on the Enterprise as they leisurely go to pick up Counselor Troy, who is off conferencing or something. Worf and Tasha are planning a date and gossiping about the crew. The chief engineer of the week, one Lieutenant Commander Lynch. Huh. That's awkward. <laughs> Actually, his full name is Leland T. Lynch. He will tell you this every chance he gets. Anyways, Leland T. Lynch is rematrixing the dilithium or whatever, so when Troy's shuttle crashes for reasons that aren't quite clear, the Enterprise is unable to save her in time. Sloppy work, Leland T. Lynch. No wonder you didn't get the job full-time. An away team beams down to the planet where they're confronted by a pool of inner printer's ink that talks and turns into a dude. Ugh. The creature won't let them go to the shuttle because their misery delights him and such. Tasha, of course, is having none of this and gets thrown against a rock for her troubles. Everyone beams back into where we get to see Crusher do some future doctoring in a scene that's almost cool, except for the terrible 80s background music. But it's no use, and Tasha's off to Stokovor, except knowing her, it's probably a rape Stokovor. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the planet, the dripping, ink stain, the dripping ink stain has trapped Troy in the shuttlecraft and loudly proclaimed that it doesn't like food anymore. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, these scenes are terrible to the point where they don't even bother acknowledging that the shuttle had a pilot. But I do think it's interesting that Troy uses her counseling powers to fight the monster. Luckily, that potential is wasted by having the monster scream and shout about how evil he is. The away team comes <laughs> back this time with <laughs> yes, exactly. The away team comes back this time with Jordy because the blind guy has to go look at things. Inkstain throws away Jordy's visor, makes Data wave his phaser about because he is evil. Get it? And eventually sucks Riker into the puddle. But Frakes wasn't trying to get out of his contract, so he'll be okay. Don't worry. The car beams down on the planet. Beats since one officer is dead and another is missing, the best course of action is to send him, is to send down the most important person on the ship. And blah, 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 humans are so great, the Enterprise warps off into the sunset. Then we're treated to a two-hour-long funeral scene where Holotacha addresses each member of the crew individually because there wasn't enough padding in this episode. 
And so ends Denise Crosby's Trek Through the Stars. She later went on to explore the planet of Skinamax, where she was no triple at all. Um, except, <laughs> you know, when she would show up as her own time-displaced Romulan rape baby. <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying not to think of Romulan rape baby, Tasha, because we do have yesterday's Classy. Enterprise between, uh, between here and there, at least. I mean, this episode did yeah. set up one of the best episodes Next Gen ever did, but then that subsequently set up some of the worst stuff they ever did, so... But we'll Shame get to all that, that later. Yeah. Um, I, this, yeah, not a good episode. <laughs> Armus, of course, delighted us all because it's not good. he, um, <laughs> stupid. He's, he's got this, he's got his real voice before we get carried away with our <laughs> silly so voice. Stupid. His real voice is, <laughs> I'm going to kill I like to see you suffer. That's really pretty close to what he sounded like. It's like the best thing you could do is to be sad and not, yeah. I would laugh at it for laughing. Sounds like a fat dude who's pissed that the wing place is closed. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted wings. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like he's, he's gone up a, st- a set what, of stairs. Yeah. What do you mean, closed after seven? But then, <laughs> somehow, over the course of an hour, we decided that he sounds more like Shark Tooth Bubs. <laughs> so now Arma sounds more like this. Hey, everybody. I'm evil. I I killed Tasha Yar because I'm evil. I'll kill all your Tasha Yars. I didn't wash my hands because I'm evil. <laughs> all right, Flunk, why don't you tell us your good thing and bad thing? Uh, well, my... I lost my place. Ah, oh, there it is. Uh, my good thing is that Data got drunk, had a one-night stand, and got a little too attached. This is a unique part of the human experience that wouldn't be covered in any textbook. Mr. Data, you're becoming more human every day. They actually expound this more in yesterday's Enterprise, but whatever. Actually, that, yeah, that this hardly came up in this episode at all. But uh, you're a guest, and I won't. Uh, I won't yeah, I won't this. be able to talk about yesterday's Enterprise, so I'm going to do true. it now. <laughs> Fair enough. Does that come up in yesterday's Enterprise? I don't remember that at all. A little bit, not like a bit. All right. Uh, it also, I know, comes up in the uh, in uh, fuck. What is it? A measure of a man. The trial where they try to prove if uh, oh, Data's yeah, yeah, really yeah. alive or not, and he's got the hologram of her, and they're like, "Why do you have this? We were intimate." So, yeah. Uh, your bad thing? Well. <laughs> she told me to forget about it, so I didn't do that. No. Well, she's dead now, so. Uh, wh- which bad thing did you pick? Let me put it that way. <laughs> My bad thing is that this was the cause of the Denise Crosby I've Made a Huge Mistake tour, which includes <laughs> the aforementioned Sela and Trekkies, because I fucking hate that movie. Really? I wasn't yeah. a huge fan of it, but I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. It's just... I didn't feel like she had any place, you know. Yeah, but <laughs> she was the face of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I found the woman who woman who wore admiral uniform everywhere to be particularly infuriating in that movie. Well, that's just it. It was billed as like a, a, a tribute to the fans and look at how great it is, but it ended up being just point and laugh at the nerds. Yeah, yeah that's it's true. just like step right up and see the dancing freak. And because yeah. she's an outsider now, because she was barely in the show at all, it felt more like she was a little bitter and oh, well, look at these people, huh? Whereas if, you know, say Marina Sirtis had done it, it might have come off as a little more genuine. Yeah. But, or at least a little more British. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, my good thing... That's it, the accent she would be using. Yes, exactly. Uh, my good thing was, there was actually some genuinely powerful emotional stuff here, I thought, and not just the death of Tasha. A lot of the characters have good moments, uh, but that's probably more the actors than anything. It certainly wasn't the script, and the score wasn't doing it any favors, as Flong pointed out. 
but despite all that, I thought there were some good performances. There was there was some nice stuff from Troy. There was some nice stuff from Picard. Everyone seemed really genuinely shaken up by Tasha. And while we didn't really believe that anybody actually knew each other or liked each other yet, because they've only known each other for twenty weeks, it still it they they sold it pretty well because this is a good cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my bad thing is possibly the worst villain in Star Trek history. It's he's bad because it's bad. Like that's it. He's, he's evil because evil. That's why. What was the backstory? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> what was the backstory? They somehow the people of the planet channeled all their evil into a thing, and then left. <laughs> and they put it in a bucket and left. <laughs> yeah. And then the bucket spilled on the ground. <laughs> he's basically Danny DeVito from Twins. Yes, only just slightly uglier. Uh, Matt, what about you? You got a good thing? Um, I thought the good, my good thing for this one, I thought it was particularly ballsy that they kill Tasha off, like, a red shirt, basically. Yeah, it was like, it was like Like, ten minutes in, it was like in the middle of the second act. That is, that is pretty cool story, like, uh, story structure-wise. Good idea, Like, she basically gets punched in the face and knocked, knocked like, twelve feet, and she's dead. Well, and it's nice to be reminded that a security guy risks that. Like, that's, that's gonna happen sometimes to a security guy, even the head security guy. Like, if I was watching this uh, when it came out and didn't mm-hmm. know that Denise Crosby was leaving the show, that would have surprised the shit out of me. Yeah, well, or you'd think, okay, well, she's going to be fine at the end. They're going to they're gonna pull some lever and she'll yeah, be yeah, okay. Yeah, they beam right into sick bay, so right. clearly, no, yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, and, 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 right, yeah, but then we, bring her back we get to the end of the episode and she's still yeah. dead. Yeah. No, and that while that funeral wasn't, you know, like, it was padded and a lot of it was like... Uh, you didn't know so all these geez. people that well yet, but I, some of those scenes, I don't know, particularly her, her bit with Picard, I actually kind of liked, but that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, that was pretty well done. Yeah. I don't know. She just said it's, like, you, I, I've never had a father, so I don't know what it's like, but I, I hope I made you proud and I kind of wanted to be like you. Like that was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the whole problem I have with the funeral scene is just, it, it, it's, she's telling us why she liked everyone. Instead of you know, us knowing why she liked everybody, well, yeah, it would have been, been a good, interesting yeah. character past nine episodes. Yeah, no, it would have been better. Yeah, the, the thing is, you know, she quit because she didn't get enough to do. She said, she said it was like the uh, the Uhura thing where she kept having to save hailing frequencies open. She got just as much screen time as everyone else. It's just the episodes that focused on her happened early in the season, and she had a stretch where she didn't do much, but they would have come back around again. And well, the other thing, too, is the show wasn't as good in the beginning of the season. Yeah, so exactly. exactly. Like, the episodes she did have weren't terribly interesting ones. Yeah, but I've said this all along. I think if she had stuck around, that character could have been really interesting. Like, you would have gotten, instead of just the sort of one-dimensional tough chick. Yeah, she would have looked like chi- everyone else on the show. Yeah, instead of the one-dimensional tough chick with a chip on her shoulder, she would have turned out a little more complex, like uh, like Kira on Deep Space Nine, something like that. Yeah. But instead, we got that, and then she left. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. Okay. Not as much happened. And and your bad thing, Matt? My bad thing is that Armist doesn't. My bad thing is that Armist doesn't talk yes. like this. <laughs> That's pretty Wasted bad. Opportunity. <laughs> potential. Well, you know, with the Blu-rays like coming out soon. Recurring uh, villain. <laughs> with Hi the, guys. With the Blu-rays coming out soon, maybe they can fix it. Here That's... I am on Riser. Hey guys. <laughs> Wearing a sun hat. Paramount, call us. We'd be more than happy to redub the episode for you. Oh yeah. In fact, you know, all, all three of us could take turns if one of us gets tired. Okay, Funk, it's your turn. 
Oh boy. <laughs> Tap in. Look at me. I'm so evil, aren't I just? Yeah, I think th- I think if you really plotted out all the podcasts that we've done and you you spot all the points where we create silly voices, those are the worst episodes. <laughs> Those are the ones that we just have the least amount of patience for, where we just decide to go off in our own little world and create a whole other thing. And some sad sack is just in the corner. I don't know. Of course it is. (laughs) Yeah. Between Mr. Hengist. I don't remember there being any silly voices in uh, Plato's stepchildren. Well, that, well, there was, there was, I couldn't. That just killed our spirits. Yeah. No, that was too bad. But uh, there's a certain kind of episode where, where you get your Mr. Hengist's or your, um. Ends in sad sacks or uh, Diamatos. America's favorite apple oh. salesman, Grappler Zorn. <laughs> of course, Grappler Zorn. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I did. Well, the be- the best part of that is, Matt, you're coming to visit me in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to have that, uh, that that Blu-ray sampler, so we get to watch Grappler yes. Zorn in glorious high death. <laughs> Grappler Zorn <laughs> into all his wonderful 110 Ps. <laughs> Those apples are good looking, incredible. <laughs> Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna be just gasping for shiny, air. You can see the camera reflecting off the <laughs> apple in the back. We're just gonna be like, clutching our sides, gasping for air <laughs> for an hour and a half, and Amanda's just gonna be rolling around. What is so funny? Never mind. Rappler sword. Rappler sword. Ah! I also think it's telling that we're not talking much about the episode. <laughs> See, that is telling. I, it just it it felt like it could have been kind of a cool like not the villain is stupid, but it felt like this plot could have been cool. Like you guys said, killing off the security guy early in the episode and kind of dealing with the you know the aftermath of that. It could have been not bad, but it good. Yeah, uh, even Troy like trapped in the shuttle trying to reason with her captors. Like no, that was that was definitely a good out. observation like, there. That should been good, but. Well, and we will occasionally see her using... Oh, I'm going to go kick a puppy now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take the blind guy's glasses away. Oh, where'd they go, blind guy? There was time now. And you, Tin Man, you wanted a heart. Yeah, how how did he... He kept calling Data Tin Man. How did he have that Earth reference? (laughs) Armist is a big Judy Garland fan. (laughs) You couldn't see because his feet were always in the puddle, but he had ruby red slippers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm melting. What a world, you guys. There's no place like home. <laughs> I just Don't you some un- courage. <laughs> Don't you understand? You could have left my planet the time you wanted to. <laughs> so overall, what was the moral of this episode? Bullies are bad. Don't be mean. I mean, there's, there's nothing here. It's just, that's it. If you really want to kill the main cast, just throw them against a rock. Well, Tasha died doing what she loved. <laughs> her face smashed into a rock. <laughs> By a trash bag. <laughs> yeah, the effects on Armus also weren't good. Like, he's this black oil slick that occasionally takes pseudo-human form, and that could have been cool, but, like, there's, like, three different things that they do, and they don't blend well. So you no. get this, like, cartoon of the thing creeping, and then you cut to the close-up of, like, the the liquid oil slick, and then you get the, the different thing. It, uh, it just didn't work at all. Poor Riker having to go take an ink bath. Yeah, that's oh, not yeah. Cool. I felt so bad for him. Plus, he was under like there for like twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, no, no I, I I felt bad for Jonathan Frakes like oh. that he had to go diving into that thing. See, I I, I, I don't <laughs> at least, know. At least whoever was in the armor suit had you know a whole big scuba suit around them. He just had to. Go well, he right suffocated in. in a trash bag, so he didn't do too well either. I see. That could have been uh, that could have been Frakes' stunt double for all we know. 
Like we yeah. didn't we didn't see him actually go in, did we? Well, we definitely saw his face when when he it popped up in that scene that was supposed to be really creepy, but turned out. Well, that's the thing. I couldn't really make out his features. That could have been anybody. No, that could have been any dude covered in oil. And that just made me think of an old timey carnival thing. See, see Bill Riker's death mask. <laughs> Step right up. Uh, I think the, the, I think what what offends me more about this episode than anything else. This is just as a Star Trek fan, as a human being, as a writer. The villain actually says the name of the episode in the episode. Yep. He says, I'm a skin of evil. Oh. That just... Uh, stop it. I used to be evil, but then I was deboned. Had all the flesh. <laughs> and my organs. No, I'm just the skin of evil. Don't worry. If you're on a diet, we have skinless evil right over there. <laughs> That just, I mean, they never did that in the original series. There was never a point where Kang turns to Kirk and says, Today is our day of the dove. Like they I just... submitted to evidence for the world is hollow. And I okay, very well. There was that. But that, <laughs> that's actually a cool phrase, and it shouldn't have been the title of the episode. It's like we're staring into a city on the edge of forever. <laughs> oh, no, guys. More troubles, more tribbles. And this is some kind of a man trap. <laughs> if only I had a maneuver of Corbinite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, These must be Mud's women. <laughs> dun, dun. Actually, that may have featured in that episode. <laughs> I know. I know. Matt really wishes that they had said it's naked time, but they never actually did. <laughs> Preferably delivered by Takei. Of okay, course, naked time. Absolutely <laughs> ported data and shouted, naked now. <laughs> <laughs> naked now. Oh, Lord. Um, uh, any, I'm anything? increasingly uncomfortable, Lieutenant. There's, um, th- I think that one of the really bad things as well is at the end of that long funeral scene, Tasha's last words are hailing frequencies closed. I that, smashed my face on the keyboard <laughs> of that That point. feels like someone who wrote this has only seen Star Trek through, like, bad parodies and tributes and doesn't know anything about Star Trek. I'm like, that's a thing they say, right? Ugh. Sure. Shut up. Terrible. Anything else? And Any... of course, Data being confused afterwards as to why he's sad. No, that that I actually liked. I didn't uh, mind that at all. Oh, um, I it might have to... been good if they like everything else. It had a potential, and then just went. No, there were there were a lot of potential good things here that just were completely whizzed down their leg. Just overall, yeah, this all just screams wasted potential. Matt, what were you going to say? Oh, um, we were talking about during the episode uh, after Tasha gets killed, Data starts. Act like he starts acting a lot more sort of machine like, mm-hmm. and I had the theory that that was all due to him going through kind of a type of grief. That I don't know if that works, and they never certainly never said it, but I like it. No, so I just yeah, I what the hell to buy it because yeah, he kind of shuts down. He's like, if this was being human, it's like screw that, I'm just gonna be a robot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Why did I want to be human? Fuck this. No, and and I we've done this sort of all along. I like that we sort of fill in the details that they leave out, which you know the actors might be hinting at, which I I kind of like. That's one of the you know one of the mm-hmm. things I enjoy about doing this is every now and then you can kind of read a little extra into there. And I think yeah. that's mostly the performers. I think it's because the actors are so good that there might be some extra subtext there. Yeah, and I totally buy that uh, that Spiner might have been thinking that when he played those scenes. 
<laughs> there's, yeah. there's a bit in, in the, the funeral where she's giving, you know, doing all her yearbook signings. Have a great summer, Captain. You're, you're like a father to me. Beverly, um, I don't know you. Your strength is in within. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's a bit where she says, Worf, you and I are so much alike. And I just was thinking, except that you're still alive. Because <laughs> I'm tasteful like that. <laughs> right. Leslie, I can't believe I'm never going to see the young man you become. I hope you start blogging. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't steal my jokes. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Any further <laughs> observations or complaints or anything? No, I got nothing else. Matt? This is it for Armas. Signing off. All right, Flunk, I'll you just gotta... go hide out in the corner now. Don't matter. Hailing frequencies closed. closed. <laughs> All right, Flunk, you got a quote for us? Uh, yes. This is, without a doubt, 100% my favorite part of the episode. it was over <laughs> I'm, I'm condensing that I'm not playing the entire thing but uh. it's the the include Paramount logo is my favorite just do like the last like five seconds yeah that's fine <laughs> oh delightful alright let's move on now uh, the way we're doing these now since we have three people in two episodes uh, this time I'm doing one next time Matt gets to do one and I get the day off so uh, yeah. Matt put your feet up and let me do the other summary here that I just <sighs> hastily typed in the last ten seconds uh for we'll always have parents. Not only doing your homework on the bus, but at the bus stop. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, we've all been there. Yes, we have on this show many times. Uh, <laughs> so we'll always have Paris. During a fencing match, which is the thing Picard is into this week, the captain notices that time repeats itself for a second, and not that there's any glitch in my copy of the episode at all. That wouldn't even make any sense. Turns out that everyone else felt this as well, and the Enterprise goes racing toward Vandor, which is a system apparently and not a man, to figure out what the hell happened. Vandor is where the Mandheim Project, a supergroup comprised of the members from Mandheim Steamroller and the Alan Parsons Project, is being conducted. <laughs> Dr. Paul Mandheim, who looks and acts like he'd be more at home on Twin Peaks, and his wife, the Cheat's hot mom, beam aboard. Picard is notably unsettled by this, and we discover that he and the, the Cheat's hot mom used to date, but ditched her at a cafe in, a, in Paris many years ago. And now she's here with a new husband, which is a situation that is similar to the movie Casablanca. Hey, that's what the title means! I get it! Dr. Mannheim has been working on some vaguely defined project involving time, and I think they said gravy, and apparently is responsible for the time skip and also for Mannheim himself being a little on the wacko side right now. Eventually they make it past the security on Vandor, and Data teams up with slightly in the past Data and slightly in the future Data to save the day. Good work, Datas. Then Picard apologizes to the Cheat's hot mom, returns to the bridge, and delivers a final really awkward line just to bring home that whole Casablanca thing, in case you missed it before. Casablanca, you guys. Wait, 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 we're talking about time travel? What? Well, uh, I don't know. Sweet. Something about time and gravy. Oh, yeah, there you go. Very nice. Ah, refreshing. Ah, comedy. Um, <laughs> I think drunken time travel is how Brendan Braga writes most of his scripts. <laughs> that, it's got to be, right? Yeah, that. Uh, I, I feel like, I don't know, I've been reluctant to beat up on him until we get to his episodes because I'm saving my... I'm saving my uh, my venom. Saving your rage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
my good thing for this episode, this is the first Picard-centric episode where Picard really feels like Picard. It's a glimpse into his past that doesn't really contradict who he is now or who he'll be later or the other glimpses we get into his past. It just, it feels very, like the young Picard they describe feels like the young Picard we get in Tapestry. But it also, mm-hmm. like, nothing contradicts each other. It just feels like it's all kind of coming together here. And he's... Like, it. it's not just him being into the thing of the month this or the thing of the week this week. Yeah, it's the, the writers never really got a handle on... He's a, I don't know, he's an explorer, I guess. And he's kind of distant. But here, it's like he's yeah, got... Yeah, he's a lot more warm than he's been, too. Yeah, kind well, of like, that's the thing. He, he he's lets like his a guard... person instead of a... a yeah. No, he, he lets his guard down a bit. Which is nice, and Picard, and uh, Patrick Stewart plays that really well. That that sort of dual layer. I've got to be a stiff, you know, like a proper captain, but I've got something emotional going on, and now it's time to let my guard down. And and he always plays that really well. I love that about him. And I've I've always loved that angle of, of Picard. Uh, and my bad thing was Mannheim's wife could have been better. She's pretty, but I wish she'd been a stronger actress so she could have kept up with Patrick Stewart because. They got a couple of scenes where he's really doing all the heavy lifting, and she's just kind of there. Yeah, mm. batting her. Her eyelashes. taste in clothing leads something to be desired. I, you know, the civilian clothing in Star Trek in general. There's an entire blog, and if I can remember the link, I'll put it in our show notes. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's awesome to see. It. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's where they just go like uh, go over all the fashion. In, yeah, it's in called Fashion It So, and they yeah, just that's pick it. an episode and. Uh, <laughs> Destroy yep. every single thing people are wearing. No, this, pretty, okay, that's pretty great. The, the way civilians dress in Star Trek has never been good from the original series through Deep Space Nine. And I don't know so much about the other shows because I'm not as familiar with those. But whatever people are wearing when they're not wearing Starfleet uniforms, just terrible. Pretty much always. <laughs> and no exception here. It's like it's the future, so we should shine it up a little bit, I guess. Well, I think the thing is patches of color around for no apparent reason. Yeah, I think the thing is wears dresses. They only have a week to design those things, whereas the Starfleet uniforms go through these, you know, really serious, elaborate. Like they design them, and then they go back to the drawing board, and they design them again, and they, you know, they get it just right. Whereas, you know, in one episode, you had just kind of come up with something suddenly, and so they can't put that much thought into it. That's still no excuse for putting Jake and uh, and Wesley in skin tight uh, jumpsuits. Yeah, that I did. That, I is, that is true. Well, the the future is jumpsuits. If there's one thing we know, it's that the future is jumpsuits. <laughs> every future in everything is jumpsuits. Um, Flunk, what about you? Good thing, bad thing. Um, a good thing is that scene at the end in the, in the lab was really cool. There's uh, there's good action there. The um, I like the the rotating time thing yeah the whole like set it, looked it was just cool. like uh it, um it's hard to explain because you, you don't actually see it you just kind of see like reality like these panes around. of transparent glass that are sort of rotating so that you see a shimmer and then they kind of go invisible and they kind of intersect with each other and it's, yeah. it's very cool looking that was mm-hmm. cool and then yeah like i said uh, my three datas was was it really cool and uh yeah it was, it was just a good scene mm-hmm and then my bad thing was that this was just a boring Troy episode that they shoehorned Picard into. What? That's the way I feel. Really? I was bored the entire time. Well, I can't I mean, really comment because I don't really remember most things in it. I was just... <laughs> and you've so now just watched it twice, like in the last yes, 48 exactly. hours. So well, I'm not entirely sure what happened. Well, well admittedly, the twice. second time around, we were... We <laughs> the second time, were, mostly we're doing the armistice. That's true. <laughs> Now, what are I, you guys doing in here? Can I come along? <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> I'm, I'm the time travel. 
I understand you need a security chief now. I'm Armistice's not-so-evil brother, Armistice. <laughs> now, I see your complaint that it's it's slow. I'll give you that it's slow. There's not a lot happens. I don't mind these sort of lingering episodes where it's a character thing, but I get that that's not everybody's thing. It was, it was very slow, and it was also the whole uh, former girlfriend shows up to make schmoopy eyes at you for 40 minutes. That just smacks of a Troy episode. We'll see that, and that's where I was going with that, is like, why do you think Troy? She was barely in this, but... Okay, yeah. I kind of see what you mean. I don't know. That's just a that's a that's a dramatic trope that's used in everything. That's certainly not just this show. No, it's not. But it's when it's on this show, it's just Troy. That's that's true. Although Troy's thing, she, and we'll, we'll see this coming she up more. Dated a lot of dudes. So. Well, the thing is, she'll fall. Her thing coming up is she will fall in love with a dude at the drop of any hat. Like that's her thing. <laughs> oh, good. I got any a bunch hats? of hats in the corner. <laughs> But she really like a guest star will show up, and within two days she's in love with him. Like they mm-hmm. all they do that with her over and over again, and it's like she, you know, falling in love maybe takes more than a day. I I'm willing to buy it from a Betazoid, though. You know, they're all about being passionate and crap. I guess there there you go trying to trying to do the writer's yeah. job for them again. Yeah, I'll make up anything for anyone if it makes the story better. Fair enough. Uh, well, how about a good thing and a you bad thing? You me your girlfriend. <laughs> I'm looking forward to spending some time with you, Mrs. Troy. I'm so lonely. <laughs> Please don't leave me. So lonely. Uh, Obey me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, good thing, bad thing? Uh, come uh, my good thing is uh, triple threat data. I thought that was real. I thought that w- it was a short little scene that I thought was done really well. Yeah, it was. I like them sort of like, uh, which one of us does this? I think it's me. All right, go nuts. <laughs> no, and as always, Spiner plays. Like, he sees the comedy and he doesn't overplay it. Like, it's very deadpan, but it's it, it's funny, but it also works dramatically. Like, he's he's so good. And, and my bad thing was that I was too distracted doing Armist voices to uh, think of a bad thing for this episode. <laughs> Fair enough. So your bad thing for both episodes was the wrong voice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, we did. We did sort of do this episode, these episodes at the last minute, and then we did sort of spend most of the time doing that voice. So he's. It's a fair cop. I like. I'm sitting here trying to think. What the I'm fuck just happy did I to be here, you guys? <laughs> do I remember anything about this episode at all? We just uh, watched it. Good. Some good See, this is what effect. I mean. It was just a dull episode that I just disagree. kind of existed. I disagree. I guess Beardo was kind of neat. No, I liked I liked the science part of it. I liked the whole time skip thing. And you know, ironically, this show will do time you know time skipping several times again. But mm-hmm. um, no, and I like the Picard thing. Like I feel like he finally kind of came together. It's nice seeing Worf in that job for the first time. Like they they cleaned up his makeup a bit, so he looks more like Worf now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he wasn't wearing a yellow shirt yet. No, that's he true. Dress for the time, job you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Flunk, the, we, we really need to steer this toward you had this incredible rant from the perspective of, of oh, a yeah. food service professional. We so, really need to hear this. Picard goes into the holodeck to to his little restaurant. Yeah, he recreates the, the cafe from, from yeah. that I was that angered me at first until I found out it was a real thing and then it angered me slightly less. <laughs> Because you can see the Eiffel Tower from everywhere in Paris. Right. Um, but then, so he just walks up. Uh, the waiter tries to see him at a table. He's like, no, no, no. I want to sit over there. No, I don't want to sit anywhere at all. I just want to hang out and enjoy the view. The waiter's just like, yeah, sure. Knock yourself out. 
just you're, it's a restaurant. It's a place of business. You you come here, you pay your money, and you leave. Okay, so you realize that it's a holographic restaurant, right? And that Picard's the boss of whatever happens. And the fact there. that the that the French waiter was was just so happy and to to indulge him in this proved that it was a, a fake. Uh, uh, see that that feeds back to my theory that the English beat down the French in World War Three. Yeah, and yeah, there's that. And a guy of English descent comes in, and the French guy's like, "Shit, I better be nice to him." Uh, whatever you say, my friend. Yes, Monsieur, you can sit wherever you like. You can crap on my table. Go nuts! But it's just strange that you have sympathy for this made-up, fictitious, holographic waiter. Just a poor hologram trying to earn a living. Yeah, but he's a—he's like a—he's he's, got rent to pay. He doesn't ha- need to have starship captains coming up and taking up all his time. Yeah, but as soon as Picard him. says "computer and program," that guy's—he's gone. I love the fact that uh, if we refer to like Deep Space Nine, then mm-hmm. yes, that dude actually does have rent to pay. If you left, if you left the simulation running, he'd eventually go home, go to his job, and complain <laughs> yes. to his holographic wife about the asshole in the Starfleet uniform <laughs> who was hanging around in his restaurant, didn't order anything, and then fucked off. Yeah, I I totally believe that Quark would charge the fictional characters living in his hollow suites rent. You know he did. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to keep working in there so that they can give him money to continue their holographic existence. But unfortunately, they only get paid in holographic money. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Quark's got some whole racket set up for that. <laughs> but that's not the show we're watching now. We have to we have to talk about this one. Do we? We do. Uh, something we pointed out a bit in the last one, and I think it, it deserves to come up again, is the score. It in was the... Armus, wasn't it? Yes, of course it was <laughs> Armus. Uh, the score... In season one is so just cheesy 80s synth. And it's bad. The opening to this episode in particular, I had a note that <laughs> Captain's Log, we were being accompanied by the theme to an 80s sitcom. Like, it just sounds, <laughs> it sounded so like, da, 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 da. Like, you know, I thought Growing Pains was starting. It was not. And Alice P. Keaton walks onto the bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> na, 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 na. for a million years. <laughs> not good. Um, Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Travel down that road and back again. Back again. <laughs> all right. So, anything more to say about this episode, or uh... I think we've said all that we can. Very well. If you guys had any idea what I just cut, oh, Lord. all right. So, uh, my my quote is uh, Data apparently describing the time skips as, I I don't know, I guess a time fart? That's the only thing I can think of. Here's that. We've received communication from the freighter Lalo, as well as from a farming colony on Coltair 4. Both described the same time distortion. The captain of the Lalo described it as a hiccup. Hiccup? Actually, sir, that may be an incorrect analogy. How so, Data? A hiccup is a spasmatic inhalation with closure of the glottis, accompanied by a peculiar sound. If we were to continue this analogy to a body function, what occurred would be best represented by enough data. So, yeah. I feel feel like there's not nearly enough implied fart jokes in Star Trek, so this was a nice change. I don't don't know what else he might have been talking about there. That was the weirdest part. It was they just cut him off for no reason. And, like, well, he was describing a hiccup, so what else could he possibly be talking about? I don't know. And and uh, it feels like the writers, anytime they wanted to laugh, they would just have data say something and then Picard would tell him to shut up and that's the joke uh, and eh, needs to be a little more to it than that yeah maybe you guys should try harder yeah maybe you should sing Just funny songs in the armistice in season two <laughs> maybe they will maybe they will in fact it might sound <laughs> no it won't sound anything <laughs> like that 
Funk, you're never coming back. Aw. <laughs> sure, there's a bad episode there for this one. I kid, of course. Uh, You'll be back next time Armist is here. <laughs> so every episode is really hot. All right. Uh, I I think that's it. Um, I mean, these guys could sing more, I suppose, but... Uh... <laughs> yes, a small town girl... <laughs> How about do our do our closing music at least? That way we can. Uh... <laughs> oh, wait, that's the other show. Yeah, that, that's the other show a year ago, Matt. <laughs> Matt Robotham, noted attention payer. <laughs> I was actually listening to old episodes today. Ah, very well. All right, and with that, why don't you just say your catchphrase, and we'll end this travesty. See you, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.